0: Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're tuning into an episode of the Redefining Society podcast, hosted by Marco Ciappelli. Let's face it, the future is now. We live in a hybrid analog digital society, and we must stop ignoring it or pretending that technology is not affecting us. The line between the physical and virtual worlds has become a figment of our imagination. On it, we are continually performing a dangerous balancing act, juggling convenience, privacy, freedom, security, technology, society, culture, and even the future of humanity. There is no better place than here, and no better time than now, to muse on our relationship with technology, and how to redefine what society means in this new age.
1: Black Cloak to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com
2: Hello everybody, this is Marco Ciappelli. Welcome to Redefining Society podcast on ITSP Magazine, where we talk about everything at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society, and sometimes just one of the three things, and sometimes we just go to space. And today, actually, that's where we're going to go. With me uh, as a guest and co-host to support me in this mission of exploration of the space, the space outside there, is Sean Martin. Sean, welcome. Thank Uh, you for coming by.
3: love going to space, so thanks for uh, the invite
2: virtually I'm or are you actually trying to go to space
3: that's uh, uh i don't know well
2: okay we'll, well, we'll find out maybe there is a there is a list that you can I've, sign up i have for. to
3: produce a few more podcasts to earn enough earn enough money for that i think
2: <laughs> oh you're gonna pay to do that you're not gonna be
3: <laughs> just because you're good at what i don't you're know doing. if i'm smart enough to uh oh. be uh, an astronaut anyway. hey, it
2: would be cool a podcast from space i'm sure they've yeah, done it from the international space station but uh Listen, I invited you because we have a really cool guest today, which is representing the Aerospace Corporation and he is the Chief Technology Officer of that organization, Debra Emmons. She's here with us today. Hello, Deborah. Welcome to the show.
4: Thank you, Marco. It's still great to be here today.
2: Yeah, so I think you got the, 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 the feeling of the show. It's very laid back. We like to, jokes, to make jokes, but we also like to uh, give ideas uh, to our audience that may be very curious about what's going on in space and, uh, and, and, and make them think about um, the thing that technology is doing for society, and the other way around this is why defining Society podcast is uh, it's doing what it's doing. So a little introduction about yourself and the corporation and what you guys do, and then uh, we, we will have some questions.
4: Yeah, great. Well, thank you. Yes, well, I am uh, the Vice President and Chief Technology Officer at the Aerospace Corporation. And um, really in this role, uh, the scope is around our technology strategy and investments, as well as our um, very exciting set of prototypes uh, where we're kind of demonstrating uh, new technologies and new capabilities for our customers. Um, And then we have uh, as well in this portfolio, this is really where we're trying to Work and harness commercial solutions for our government missions. Um, so it's a pretty interesting portfolio. Again, covers our research and development programs, our prototypes, and our commercial thrusts.
3: Boy, so so much opportunity <laughs> for questions here. Um, yes, I know it's a big, big, pretty big scope. And yes, I it's guess- the
4: technology and the <laughs> innovation and the commercial pieces. Yes, and our. Pro- and our innovation prototypes. So yes, it is a it is a pretty exciting um, and challenging landscape right now, yeah.
3: So I know we're gonna dig into AI as part of this conversation, but I I want to maybe take a step back from that having, I am smart enough to build products. I don't know if I'm smart enough to, to be an astronaut, but um, it's always an interesting conversation, assuming you have a chance to have the conversation around what to build, why, when, with whom, internal, external, outsourced, all that stuff. How do you kind of drive those conversations or I'm assuming you drive it or be part of those conversations to determine how and what gets built uh, at the aerospace corporation?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say um, we are, we, uh, make investments in areas to build up capability and we do kind of look at the landscape we look at um, interact with our customers and so a lot of that investment is trying to evolve capability to respond to near-term customer need but but we also want to devote some of that money to sort of the future Uh, and then working as well thinking about again we are trying to prototype and and show and demonstrate capability and we're not manufacturing because our charter to operate a federally funded research and development center is really about more the cutting edge. So when we do do prototypes, we're thinking about what is the end game and how do we demonstrate something, but then potentially transfer that technology to to industry or to um, be able to uh, demonstrate it that way. And so I would say, um, you know, in our prototype portfolio, uh, 80% of that is actually funded by the, the customers and it's demonstrating some new capability. Uh, you know, you can look at recently one of the ones that got a lot of press this sh- earlier this year was called um, Moonlighter and it was done, um, worked uh, with um, the Department of Air Force and Air Force Research Lab and it was the first time where we demonstrated in space a um, uh, a cyber satellite, uh, it's called a hack sat It was part of a hack competition. And what it did is it allowed the hackers and and the community at large to um, test out sort of algorithms there to try to hack the satellite. And instead of doing that on the ground or the flat sat, this was done uh, for the first time uh, in space. So that was something that the government thought was very necessary. It was needed in the community. And so we got sponsorship in the last, you know, to build that over the last, you know, couple couple of years.
2: Okay, Sean, I, I'm not uh, holding you here. You can go. I know. <laughs> I know you had a conversation I, about I, I, that.
3: Well, I'm not going to capitalize uh, the the and take over completely, but I will say that um, that I actually recorded a podcast with the team who uh, who launched that uh, that program uh, or part of it. Not obviously, is a big team, but some of the some of the folks who ha- launched the HackSat Moonlighter.
4: Yes. A project. lot of them work for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of them work in our engineering group. So uh, it's a really nice partnership that we do, right? So we have our folks who work in the engineering and technology group and some that work in our, in our experiments lab.
2: Well, that's yeah. nice. We, we're also very connected with from many years with the Aerospace Village at DEF CON. So, uh, uh, see, yes, it's a, it's a small world after yeah.
4: all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. It's, I guess, what DEF CON 31 was, a, and it's, we've been actively participating in the last number of years, but this one was a particularly, I think, a pretty ex, um, special event.
3: Very cool. Yeah, certainly was.
2: Very cool. All right. Let me, let me bring this back to, to, to the planet Earth here and and uh, yeah, I like to try to have conversation about the why we do certain things, right? So there is many things that have been done and we know that we're going back to the moon, huge um, satellite, huge uh, observatory telescope out there, we've all witnessed what's been going on. But, but behind the scene, there is a lot of things going on apart from the big one that may catch the news you guys are always very active and and I want to touch to what you were saying before. How do you decide? I mean, is it just the, the clients that come to you and say, this is what we want, or you drive the conversation also based on.
4: Uh, we try, market? we're doing both right. We have, we do, we really do look at the landscape and we have our corporate strategy and our strategies. And so we really do look at uh, where do we want to make sure that we are investing and, and putting in, Funding for capability to make sure that we get ahead of the customer need, so it's it's really you know both. And so when we look at our investment portfolio of all the R and D investments, we have some things that are evolutionary capabilities that really are more responding directly to customer need, and so it's maybe more in in responsive there and trying to evolve. And then we have an ability to really be putting in investments into things that are um, you know maybe truly more game-changing. Perhaps it's not right now something the customer is asking for, but if you did implement it, it might change your performance dimension or cost dimension by three to five X and be able to really change the way you do something. So we we really need to to do both in, in, an, in an R&D and an investment portfolio. So that is something we do both of.
2: And a lot of people ask for AI nowadays, right?
4: <laughs> well, yes. I mean, in fact, AI has been um, one of our technical and strategic initiative areas. And so and there's a lot of line, you know, lots of lines of effort in there. Right. There's a there's the broader AI. But when we think about it, we're really looking at it more from a, the space and some of the data exploitation and the analytics side. But really, the space AI um elements is where we have been investing. So if you, you know, and certainly when you think about the AI general definition or thinking about this is, you know, certainly um, the ability, you know, where we have the ability of machines to actually perform tasks that usually require this, you know, human intelligence. And we've certainly seen that it's been having a profound effect in a lot of different industries, particularly data -rich rich industries, such as, you know, whether it's finance or healthcare or automotive, a lot of terrestrial industries, but there's, you know, definitely places in space where it can also have an impact, uh, and we are starting to see that. Uh, we are making investments, um, but certainly there, you know, there's been investments in a lot of places for for commercial and others to be able to be uh, investing here, and I think we're we're starting to realize some of those types of benefits. But um, I think there's a lot more to go. Um, you know I think it, when you look at AI, you, you know I think it's it's a certainly a big area in a big field. and so you can think about um, you know first there's sort of AI, which is the biggest um, uh, the biggest area. and then if you think about these other areas of machine learning or or deep learning, you know they're all linked, and one each one is a smaller subset of the preceding you know technology. and um, we are. Working and involved in each of these kinds of areas, where you know AI being the broader set and requires lots of data and has a lot of is more instruction based. You know, machine learning begins to build upon that. It's a smaller subset of AI, but it you know looks more at uh, relying on patterns. And then you get to an even smaller subset of of deep learning, uh, where you know you're you're looking more at neural networks and and actually. Thinking about more the way the human brain works, right? To try to imitate that, and then you know you can even go to a smaller subset, which is a certainly uh, a number of uh, of us are all facing here as we think about generative AI. Um, But we, you know, when you think about how is AI being utilized in space, one of the key areas or burgeoning areas has been in this uh, area around you know space traffic management, Um, you know. I think right now AI can help our engineers and scientists and the way we've been thinking about it and using it is both to analyze data more quickly and then um, as well more automate, you know, be able to automate some of the operations that are on or off a satellite. Um so that's another key part of this. But, But as you think about this area, you know, in space traffic management, this is a a burgeoning area, and this is really about trying to um, coordinate and better understand and manage the activities that are happening in outer space and ensure more safe and responsible use of space assets. And, you know, what's happening, what's been happening in, in space right now is it's becoming much, you know, many, much more is going on there, right? You know, there's been a lot written about in the last handful of years about more and more satellites getting launched into low Earth orbit. Uh, so, you know, about 500 to 1,000 kilometers above the Earth. So, you know, this, I'll say, Leo constellations, this rapid development of Leo's constellations, and some of it's been actualized and some of it's still proposed has meant that there's, you know, more progress in a lot of the different applications areas. So, you know, more opportunities for communications, more opportunities for navigation and remote sensing, as we have a lot more capability. So, you know, the crowding is happening both from a, you know, the physical sense, right? Because you have a lot more satellites up there, a lot more numbers of satellites. uh, And so there's more congestion, there's more potential for collision. But I think you also have to think about what are the different, you know, the missions that are happening with the, um, you know, there there's a lot more data because you have different types of missions. So there's not just the physical assets of the spacecrafts, but each of these satellites is going to have sensors. And so whether you're in uh, Earth observation ab- applications, whether it's for, you know, agriculture or forestry or the military or intelligence or even beyond Earth, you these assets now are beginning to collect data every day and you know we're going to be approaching here terabytes of data so you have you know sensors that collect telemetry and telemetry data is that data that gives you the state and the health of the spacecraft and it, as well you can collect mission data and that could be again related to what is the, the primary objective of a, of this mission of this satellite is it to collect you know, images and pictures. Is it overhead infrared? Is it to you know provide communications data? Uh, so you know, one of the things that we're really facing here at this time is these is really gobs of data, right? We have uh, a proliferation of assets, and you have a proliferation of that corresponding data. And I think that's kind of an interesting place to be in that we have so much more data in this in this asset that we have to share and we have to manage and work through. So this is a key place where, you know, AI, artificial intelligence solutions can come to bear in helping really us in this thinking in this future state of space traffic management.
3: Wow. My mind just exploded, I think, with all the visuals and everything that that, uh, (laughs) you just described. And I probably added a few more in there as well, just the, there's all the ground stuff, there's the flight stuff, there's the in-orbit in, in orbit stuff, there's all the data and managing all of it, and yes, traffic like you described. And you even touched on the, the human with the neuro, neurological data. And I'm wondering how... So AI gives us an opportunity to do something with that data, and each, each purpose-built satellite can leverage it to analyze its data from sensors and, and whatnot, and presumably satellite data could be merged together to provide bigger pictures. You talked about agriculture. Mm-hmm. I grew up on a farm so that's near and dear to my heart. I lived in a place that was prone to wildfires, so satellites that look for for uh, areas that are prone and or have, have spot fires that can break out uh, is another area of interest. Right. Sitting, are there is there anyone looking at this big picture and I, I presume it might be you and your team to say here here's how best to pull the data we need together to solve bigger problems that wasn't possible uh, five ten years ago
4: well yeah so I mean that's a great question and I think we are we are working in this area and we as a uh, you know with your opening remarks about where do where are we uh, making investments and where do we think, you know, our important capability. This is an area that we are working and looking at to be able to work with our customers as well as the burgeoning industry component of this, because the other comp- piece of this is that all of this AI is really kind of intersection intersecting between the, you know, the, 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 the government elements as well as private companies that really see new business applications and new business needs here. And we are uh, working in that a lot of those spaces with the government to be able to leverage new commercial capability uh, to be able to work through all that. And, and that is one of the areas we're doing as part of this new commercial space futures office where maybe areas that didn't have as much commercial or or are really burgeoning, right? So there's a lot more capability. A lot of companies are looking at the at business plans, but there's a number of places right where you talked about. So some of the ways that AI companies can come to bear is on the, you know, just in terms of where, you know, the, you know, not, you know, I'll say the knowledge and management around it, protection and continuity of those space-based assets. Um, there's all kinds of work around, you know, characterizing those objects, you know, um there's the data processing and the analysis. So part of it is AI and processing large am- amounts of data from various sources. So we are working through that. Some of that is on the, um, looking at how do you bring in more data into these sources so you can, um, in, you know, connect some of this, right? And be able to have more uh, data that can help us on the data processing and analysis. There's also, you know, the the collision avoidance side. So I think, you know, some of these new constellations that are being put in place, there's more that you can do to be, a, will say, a good steward here. You can, you know, develop AI algorithms here um, to help analyze the other trajectories or help to prevent collisions, um, you know, to maybe do some more on the collision avoidance side and maneuvers. Um, you know, space is a global commons now. Uh, we are working here and have been also working on that side. I mean, there are over 70 countries from across the globe that operate active satellites. Uh, And so part of the space traffic management piece or side that we're working on as well in our in our role is in looking at the what are responsible space operations and what are some of the things that you need to do to have a proper end-of-life disposal of satellite to prevent, you know, adding to this Space debris problem um, you know there needs to you know thinking through what are those responsible practices uh, there on the on the crowded side because you know again, from just the forecasts alone, there are expected to be even more uh, satellites and and constellations around different types of uh, businesses in these areas that will come to bear um, so that is a place where i think we are working and certainly where we're not we see that you know commercial companies uh can are working and where they can enhance um their plans around this to enhance the space traffic management side of things um through ai the other areas right on maybe in participation in some of these space traffic management governance activities you know we're trying to be part of and drive industry associations and form around space safety and space traffic management. There's also some ways to begin to move towards collaborating some, on some of the standards, right? Having some formats that simplifies things so you can have more information exchange. Um, I think, you know, and also even just discussing maybe some of our, you know, the areas, that are uh working r&d initiatives can also improve their you know how do you improve the algorithms um to do better on the prediction and and do better on the the tracking and and even uh you know there's places where we can be more innovative on the on the propulsion systems right so perhaps you know have more efficient orbital maneuvers so Some of these things are things that you know companies may do, but then there are some of these things that may be done more uh, through um, through you know through uh, governance or through educating the you know working with the space community more broadly.
2: Right. So I want to go first of all. Every time you say traffic, I'm imagine this four (laughs) hundred five that goes from (laughs) all around. Uh, for people we we are in la area so we know what four or five is the, yes, that the highway yes. is always packed and doesn't matter what time of the day so that's that's what's going on in space that's that's the it's kind of set <laughs> uh, no but apart from the joke i I wanted to ask you as we get close to an end here how we can leverage and I'm sure you're already leveraging AI for developing um the hardware as well. So apart from analyzing the data coming back to the planet, because that's usually the answer for the people that are like, "Oh, why are we going to space?" You know, to often to advance to the technology that we have here, and then maybe even more philosophical answer. But we stay there. But I'm I'm assuming that because you you don't have to go by trial and error only anymore, as NASA done for for a very long time. You have high, bigger capability in terms of really creating new hardware just by making simulation, virtual reality. I mean, is there some example that you can give us about that?
4: Well, I would I would say that there's definitely um, an interplay there, and I think more and more of the of our, I'll say. Uh, even our prototypes, we have a line of AeroCube satellites, small satellites uh, that we've been uh, demonstrating new capability for the last two, two decades. Uh, but what we're seeing more and more of is is more integrated compute at on the edge and more ways of bringing some of the processing using advanced algor- AI algorithms on board. Um, and so we're seeing just more capability ultimately delivered because whether we're doing the processing some on the ground or the algorithms are getting smarter or we're doing more edge processing, some of our more advanced remote sensing types of um, sets are using and combining AI. And so that just means that the overall hardware software solution is, is enhanced. And some of our latest uh, prototypes, ones that we've just delivered to different customers, uh, and then ones that uh, are in development in the remote sensing area, uh, are definitely using more of the AI algorithms and, uh, say, uh, commute computing.
3: So i i i can't I can't go any longer without asking this.
2: <laughs> go for it.
3: All right. So I, I painted a. a Slightly utopian picture of all these satellites working together, and uh, entities, public and private, sharing information for the greater good of society. And hopefully, we we reach that point. But but not everybody does does what they do for for the grander good of society. They do it for themselves. They do it to to make their uh, companies better and get a competitive advantage for nation states to uh, to have the upper hand against others. And with this, I I look at two different things related to cybersecurity. One is protecting the data that's being generated in space, for space, for humanity on Earth from space. And then there's leveraging the this aerospace infrastructure to protect us here on earth. So two two big topics there, but I don't know if you want to shed some light on one or the other or both on the things we're doing to to protect ourselves from ourselves. <laughs> you touched on the hackassat. Um so that's kind of protecting the infrastructure of space. But how about how about the data and and uh protecting earthlings? From using space,
4: yeah. So we have some, certainly, some work going on there in a whole area in our in our cybersecurity and advanced platforms work. Um, that's been an area that's really been, I'll say, growing over the last few years. Whether it's and it's kind of all, across all the lines for, of engineering. Um, some of it might be on the acquisition risk management side and. Um, uh, system security engineering to um, actually looking at what are some of the next gen crypto requirements and bringing you know the crypto design into place. Um, there's work in um, you know the spacecraft security itself in terms of the space vehicle security and understanding sort of the way the threats um, can impact the, the spacecraft themselves. So it's you know there's space vehicle pen testing and prototypes that were worked in you know test beds and mitigations there. Um, So that's another whole area that we we work in understanding you know what are the next gen space vehicle requirements the spacecraft security. Um, There's also a whole area around you know defensive cyber understanding the uh, you know the response and the mitigations and so you know just like. In the case of the, the hacker, you want to look at where your vulnerabilities are, and then understand how to make those enhancements. Um, so I would say that this whole area is um, certainly crossed um, all of those kinds of service lines. Um, you know, there's also important to look at you know the the supply chain uh, as well, supply chain risk management. Um, so that's another area thinking about. Um, again, types of simulations, types of assessments. So just really looking at um, bringing this in, into the forefront. And then I would say that even a place for uh, the, the strategies and how do you um, mitigate and how do you, what is, what is a governance construct? So I would say that the whole area of cybersecurity, cyber engineering, bringing cyber uh, into um, our platforms um and on better understanding that has been something that we are trying to get a uh, get ahead of that need um, and respond to that. That's you know the, there's the threats and computing needs across the whole space enterprise, and it's they're continuing to evolve and in some ways move faster than than we all industry all of us can can effectively respond. So I think that is something that we have to continue to do and work through. And and so we're definitely working in all of those areas around, you know, acquisition network support and different types of, you know, looking at architectures and, and doing that so spacecraft security and, and looking at the responses and mitigations. So that is an area that we have been, you know, working in.
2: And who knows what you're going to work on in five years from now. Because, you know, I mean, the, the, the rhythm that, that space has been, I'm thinking that all the commercialization of space, I mean, the, all the company, the now private company that before you didn't have, and I'm, I'm assuming there are many more, which you probably already work with. So it will be interesting to see how this, uh, <laughs> this highway is going to connect here with, the, with planet Earth. And of course... Uh, everything done as you clearly explain, with the, with security in mind, and and yes. uh, keeping, keeping. No, no. I mean, I remember I've I've been lucky enough to have several astronauts on my on my show, and when we talk about the history of NASA, you know, the idea of going to the moon and bring people safe back was always uh, at the core of everything. That 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 you know, when you send somebody in space, you're not just <laughs> tossing the coin, right? So you do everything you can and hopefully and for sure nowadays technology, data and AI can probably help us to do it even with more security, not only from a cybersecurity perspective, but security for the people that are going to to space. Um so Sean, if you can find the money, I guess you you can you can do it securely.
3: I'll mm-hmm. have to, I'll we'll have to flip, flip the Bitcoin, uh, when I, <laughs> when I go to space, um, no, this is, I mean, super, super cool conversation. I, I think as a, as an engineer at heart, uh, I can appreciate a lot of, <laughs> a lot of what you described, Deborah. And, um, I, I think it's important for, for folks to know, especially those, uh, those listening to Marco's show, uh, Redefining Society, that, that there's a lot of future planning and visionary stuff taking place in, in your organization that's, that's going to have a huge impact on, on how we live on a daily basis. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see what you and the team pull together in collaboration with the uh, public and private sector.
4: Yeah, you're spot on. It's pretty exciting times. A lot of uncertainty in the future, but I think some some real you know opportunities here and some ways to work differently across commercial and government. Definitely exciting times.
2: Well, and we are excited and very thankful for you to have found the time to to join us. I hope that our audience enjoyed the conversation maybe they'll check out what you guys are doing on your website and uh, and always be interested about space. I know that the episode that we talk about, anything related to space, they usually get a really nice audience because I guess people love to stay with the nose up and look at what's going on up there. (laughs) So thank you very much and Sean, thank you for bringing uh, you always make me feel more secure when you're on because you, you, you put security uh, ahead you really care about security and that's
4: great I do. <laughs> well thank you i appreciate the opportunity and i enjoyed enjoyed of, the discussion
2: of course very grateful everybody else stay tuned there'll be many more episodes here on the Finance society podcast so be sure to click the subscribe button and uh stay tuned for many many more take care everybody
1: BugCrowd's award winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high-net-worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational laws, financial laws, and the impact of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Society podcast, hosted by Marco Cipelli. If you learned something new, and this conversation made you think then add this show to your favorite podcast player. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share the ITSP Magazine podcast network with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.